tonight we are in our last week of our Thrive series and we are talking about being connected to our purpose. And so tonight what I really wanted to talk about was how we get connected to our purpose and I really believe that is through serving and serving in the house of God. We cannot underestimate the power of our serving. Truly, it unlocks the purpose and the destiny and the call in our lives. Whether you are called to minister or not is totally irrelevant. Serving in the house unlocks our life into our purpose. And I really want to talk about that with you tonight. For me, I just feel like I cannot thank the Lord enough for allowing me to serve in His house, truly. That's how I feel. It's not like I have to or something that's a chore for me, I feel so honoured because I know what it has done for my life. It has truly unlocked my whole world. I would not be who I am today. I would not be here today without serving in the house of God. It unlocked my call and unlocked my destiny, unlocked my purpose. It saved me. It's rescued me at times. It's brought me my favorite best friends in the whole world. It's brought me my husband. Now my children are in the house of God. Like I cannot express it enough how amazing it is to serve in the house of God and how it unlocks the purpose for your life. You know, I spoke to a few people before coming here tonight, just asking them, why why do you serve in the house of God? And I didn't tell them to say any of these things, but all of them alluded to the fact that it unlocks their purpose. One person said, serving in the house has given me purpose. It has empowered me to use what is in my hand and allowed me to discover gifts I didn't know I had. Someone else said, being a part of the body of Christ, serving in the house is so much bigger than me. It brings meaning and purpose to my life. I mean, there's so many, but it just keeps going. It's the same theme. Yes, we love it because we love to build his house, but not just that. It unlocks something in you that never would have been unlocked unless you had decided to serve in his house. So that's what I want to talk to you about tonight. I'm so thankful for a man named Glenn Henry, who most of you would not know. Maybe Hartley probably knows, Leon. He's still in our church at Oxford Falls. But I came to our church when I was 13 years old. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know what, you know what this place was. I came from a small Anglican church. I was very afraid, very timid. I came along to youth ministry. My mum took me to youth ministry. I mean, how embarrassing. I sat at the back with my mum. And I thank God for a man named Glenn Henry who came up to me and said, hey, do you want to serve in our junior high youth team? And for some strange reason, I said yes, because I didn't know him. I didn't even want to be there, but I was probably just feeling awkward, like I couldn't say no. (laughs) So I was like, sure. And it was just nothing amazing. It was just setting up chairs, packing down chairs. And I look back at that small decision I made that day and I'm like, thank God. I said yes, because I would never have imagined where I would be today because of that decision I made many, many, many years ago, just to say yes to serving in the house of God and how much it has unlocked my life. So I want to talk to you tonight about serving, and I want to ask you three questions about serving tonight. You know, we are never more like Christ than when we are serving. 
our life is about becoming Christ-like, yes? That is our whole pursuit, to become like Jesus, a transformed life constantly to trying to be like this amazing man, to transforming us in love and grace and, and all these beautiful things. Our life is to become more Christ-like. Well, we are never more like Christ than when we are serving because what is his ultimate thing when he came to earth? It wasn't to be served, but to serve. His whole mission was to serve us, to love on us, to save us, to rescue us, to heal us. It wasn't to be served, but to serve. So as we choose to serve, we are becoming more like Christ, serving being a servant of Christ. So three questions I want to ask you tonight. Who are you serving? Why are you serving? And how are you serving? So the first question, who are you serving? In Matthew 6, 24, it says this, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one, love the other, or else you'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve two masters. Before we talk about serving in the house and all that that looks like, I want to put the big picture to you first. Who are you serving? You need to make that decision first up and foremost. Who are you serving? Because you cannot serve two masters. And the thing with serving is that you actually are all serving something whether you have chosen to or not. You will serve something. You will serve money, possibly. You may serve your job, a relationship, a situation, a circumstance. You can choose to serve something, but also without even choosing, you are already serving something. And so he's saying here, choose to serve Jesus. First and foremost, who are you serving? Are you serving the Lord or are you serving the world? Are you an ambassador for Christ or are you an ambassador for the world? I remember when Daniel and I got engaged and we have both served in the house for many years. And we got engaged, we were serving in youth ministry at the time. And I remember a few different people in a few different scenarios, people coming up to me and saying, oh, now you're getting married, are you going to pull back from serving? And it was this common theme people kept asking me. And to be honest, it hadn't even been a thought in my head. But because people were asking me, I thought, oh, I better think about this. Is that what you do when you get married? Do you stop serving? And so I started to think about this. But the more I read the Word of God and the more I thought about stopping to serve, I was like, no, I can't even think about that. Serving has saved my life. How could I pull back from serving? And there's a scripture in the word that became my scripture that in that season. And it is still my scripture to this day for my family in this area. And it is this, this. And it says this. It says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. It doesn't matter where I go. It doesn't matter what season I'm in. It doesn't matter where I'm called to. It doesn't matter if I'm a mom in the mum's room, I'm at the front preaching. It doesn't matter if I'm in my workplace or I'm at home. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And I made a decision in my heart that day and I have stuck to it. 
and I remind myself constantly to stick to it because that is the desire of my heart, that I would serve the Lord. I don't want to serve anything else. I want to serve the Lord that saved me, that set me free, that brought freedom to my life, that brought joy to my life, that brought comfort when I needed it, that brought grace when I needed it. I want to serve Him. I don't want to serve anyone else. And I tell you what, my kids, they are going to serve the Lord as well. Because as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You need to make a decision in your heart. Who are you serving? Despite circumstance, despite season, despite what you're going through, you will serve the Lord. You will serve Him. In Colossians 3, 23 to 24, it says, And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord. For you serve the Lord. Do it with your whole heart, because yes, you are serving men, but you are serving the Lord. So do it with everything. Who are you serving? If you haven't made that decision today, after my message tonight, you're going to have that opportunity to say, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to serve Him. Who are you serving? Second question, why are you serving? What's the motive behind your serving or not serving? Are you serving to impress people to look good for position or entitlement, for security or insecurity? Maybe you're even, even trying to impress God with your serving or lack of serving. Why are you serving? Or why are you not serving? Some questions to ask yourself tonight. What's the motive behind your serving? Is it for you to gain or is it to bless and give? Why are you serving? When I think about serving in the Bible, a story that immediately comes to mind is the story of Mary and Martha. And this story goes that they invited Jesus into their home. And Martha is running around crazy, getting ready for Jesus. She's setting up, she's serving dinner, she's giving cups of teas and biscuits probably. She's, you know, running around serving, getting everything ready for Jesus. And Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, just listening to him. And Martha gets upset and she's like, Jesus, tell Mary to come and help me. Which, you know what, I feel sorry for Martha because I do this. Anyone would do this. Don't tell me you wouldn't do this. If Jesus came to your house, as if you wouldn't be like, what can I do? Oh my gosh, here you go. Um, he had this seat. You would be running around like, I want to look after you because it's like the most important person in the whole world is in your house. Poor Martha, she gets a bit of a bad rap because that's what she's doing. But Jesus says to her, that Mary has chosen the better thing. Not that serving is bad. And hear me, because sometimes I think we're like, oh, we shouldn't be serving. We should just be sitting at Jesus' feet. And yes, we need to be sitting at Jesus' feet. That is the better thing. But he's not saying here that the problem is the serving. It says here in Luke 10.40 that Martha was distracted with much serving. That's the problem here. The problem is that her serving was distracting her from the main thing. And I feel like we can get into this trap sometimes, and I have been here myself, where we can be serving and serving and serving, but we're serving out of the wrong place. 
We're serving because it is filling a void in our own life. We're serving because it is what we think we should do. We're serving because it's out of our own insecurity or we're serving to replace our relationship with Jesus. But Jesus is saying, no, choose the better thing first. Don't lose your relationship with me because you are distracted with serving. And for some reason, our human nature can justify this, which I've done in my own life. It's like, I don't have time to read my Bible and to pray because I've got to serve. I've got so much to do. I've got lots of serving to do. (laughs) And we can justify our lack of relationship with Jesus with our serving. But eventually what happens is that that dries up and we call it burnout. I actually don't believe, once again, I think that serving gets a bad rap. We're like, oh, I'm serving too much. I'm getting burnt out. I actually don't believe that burnout is because of too much serving. I actually believe it is a lack of relationship with Jesus because we are supposed to be serving out of the overflow of our relationship with Jesus. When we are hanging out with Jesus and He's filling us with words and with His presence and we're just hanging out with Him, serving's easy and we can give out. But when we are giving out and we are not sitting with Jesus and receiving, that is when burnout comes. And we need to make sure that we are not serving out of the wrong place, but we are serving out of a place of relationship with Jesus. When we serve out of a place of relationship with Jesus, that's when it works. That's when you're in your sweet spot. That's when the purpose of God and the call of God comes alive for your life. Out of the overflow of your relationship with Jesus. Let's not replace our relationship with God for serving God. Let's keep that first and foremost and then serve out of the overflow of our relationship with Him. Because in Luke 10, in the same chapter of this story, just above this story, Jesus actually says, The harvest is ready. The problem is we don't have enough workers. We don't have enough laborers. He's like, pray to the God of the harvest because the harvest will come. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send the laborers. He's actually looking for people to say, here I am, Lord. Send me. Here is my life on the altar. I want to be used by you. I want to serve you, Lord God. He is looking for people with a willing heart who want to serve the Lord. He is looking for those people because there are not enough that will say, here I am, Lord, send me. And as we say that prayer and put our life on the altar to serve God out of the right place, out of the overflow of our relationship with Jesus, you will discover the purpose and the call for your life. I don't know how, hear me, I don't know all God's ways, but I know it happens. I am 100% convinced of it. Every time I have laid my life down and I've been on an altar and said, use me, Lord, here I am, I want to serve you, I want to serve your house. He then pours back into my life. It's like this catch 22. It's like you think you're laying your life down and you are, but then he brings it back to life and says, here you go. Here's the blessing. Here's the favor. Here's the call. Here's the purpose. That's why he is a good, good God. Because everything you lay down for him, he brings it back a hundredfold. Why are you serving? You know, church was never supposed to be a football game. I don't watch much sport, 
but my husband makes me watch football, which I actually call soccer, but I'm allowed to call it that. It's football. That's one thing we do watch at home. And there's no, it's, church is not meant to be like that. 11 people playing and then 80,000 just sitting back watching. It's meant to be all of us on the field together, running hard together, each one of us bringing our gifts, each one of us part of the body, saying, here, I can do this here. Oh, I can do this part. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm a really good worshiper. I'll do this part. And, you know, us all coming together, all in, together, building, serving one another, loving each other, encouraging one another, being on the field together, serving the Lord serving his house. Who are you serving? Why are you serving? And finally, how are you serving? In Psalm 100 verse 2, it says this, serve the Lord with gladness. Are you serving the Lord with gladness? Because you want to, out of the overflow, or because you have to tick a box? Is it a religious act like, yep, done, served the Lord today? Or is it something you come to do with gladness in your heart? Excitement in your soul. Like, I want to be a part of this. I want to build this. We are too ready to build something that gives us immediate gratification. Something that gives us a quick fix. We would love to serve that. makes us feel good for one minute. But you know, we are not building that here and now. We are building something with eternal significance. You are building something that is calling darkness into light, people's souls into heaven. It has eternal significance. This is not immediate gratification. This is eternal significance. We are building something that is bigger than ourselves, that is beyond you and me. We are building something for the kingdom of heaven. We need to get a revelation that it's not just about here and now. That this is something we are doing for the kingdom of heaven that has eternal significance. Serving shouldn't be on our terms. I believe true serving is laying down your agenda and doing what is needed and helpful. Having a faith attitude, not complaining. If you see a hole or a problem, not coming and saying, Pastor Nat, Pastor Hearts, this is a problem, fix it. But you coming and saying, Pastor Nat, Pastor Hearts, I see this area that could have help. I would love to help fill this gap. I am gifted at this. I am excited about this. I want to be part of the answer. I don't want to be part of the problem. Don't just come with your complaints. Come with an answer. Come with faith. Come with your gift. Your gift is supposed to be flourishing in the house of God. This is your place to use your gift. Come with a faith attitude. I remember my husband saying something to me many years ago when I was complaining and whinging about something. He's a very wise man. I'm thankful that I married him. And he said this to me, the church doesn't need us. We need the church. And I had this revelation because I was in a bit of a rut of like, oh, I'm doing everything for the church and the church needs me. (laughs) But actually, it's so not true that I need this place more than it needs me. I need the people of God around me to encourage me. I need the worship week in, week out where I can thank the Lord and come to Him each day. 
I need the Word of God that nourishes my soul. I need this community that I can do life with. I love when you see the church rising up in situations. We have a friend at the moment going through absolute hell, but I have loved seeing the church come around this couple and pouring out such a blessing. I'm like, this is the church. This is the church. We rise together. We love together. We serve together. We encourage together. The church, yes, it does need you. It needs your gifts. But more than that, we need it. It's for us. We need the church. Let's never get too cocky or proud where we think the church needs me. If I wasn't here, it would fall apart. Let's not get attitudes. Let's not bad mouth the church. Let's build the church. Let's speak well of the bride of Christ. And let's build it together with faith in our hearts, with joy in our souls. Let's come serving the Lord with gladness, with a smile on our face with an excitement in our heart that God's going to do something today. God's going to change someone's life today. God's going to put purpose in someone's heart today. Let's come week in, week out, not ticking a box, like, oh, I've done my serving for the week. Not coming in like, oh, I have to serve, the church needs me. No, coming in with gladness in our hearts, wanting to serve His house, building His house, loving on His people. Let's build something with eternal significance, not immediate gratification. Ephesians 6, 7 says, Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. I want that to be my heart every time I walk into the house of God, that I'm serving with all my heart, with all my heart. I don't want to give it 60%, 70%, 80%, 85%. No, I want to give it my all because I know all that God has given to me and He deserves it. And he it's not even that He deserves it, it's more that like I deserve, I am honoured to be able to come and serve in His house. Let's do it wholeheartedly. Can I also say this is a side note? I like tiny side notes. But the Lord says in the Bible that where there is unity, He commands His blessing. You know, we can all be on different teams. We can all be serving in different areas. But there's nothing more powerful than when we come together and we are unified and we are encouraging each other. If you're on the worship team saying to the deacons, thanks for all you're doing. You're amazing. If you're on the deacon team, on the production team, thanks so much for putting the words up on the screen every week so I can sing when I know what I'm singing. <laughs> because you're on the production team, going to the, you know, the hospitality team. Thank you for all you pour out out there for us every single week. Going to the kids team. Oh my goodness, thank you for looking after my children. I couldn't do anything if you weren't looking after my children. Encouraging, loving one another. It's not segregated teams. We are one team. We are united. We are building the same thing. And as we get on board and we love each other and we encourage one another, no, no matter what team we're on, as that unity, as we unify, His blessing is poured out upon that. His blessing is poured out upon our churches as we unify together. I ask the worship team to come. Who are you serving? Why are you serving? How are you serving? Now I want to finish with this scripture in Hebrews 6 verse 10. 
could chuck that up. It says this, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. Oh, I love this. In saying all of this, in serving the Lord, when you lay your life down to serve him and do it with a good attitude and do it because you want to and do the things maybe you thought you wouldn't be doing, but you do them because you want to fill that gap and you want to bless the house of God. Don't think God doesn't see any of that. No, he sees it. He says he is not unjust. He will not forget the work you do. And he will pour out, this scripture keeps going, it says that you will inherit the promises. As you decide to serve the house of God, to serve the Lord, he is not unjust to forget. He will pour out his promises on your life. He will pour out his purpose on your life. He will pour out the call of God. He will breathe it into life in your world. He doesn't forget. He sees it all. And He is not unjust. He will pour back into your life. I mean, how amazing is our God? He doesn't have to do that. He's already given us everything. He already saved our souls. But He wants to give you more as you serve and you lay your life down. He is not unjust to forget. He will pour back into your life. Amen.